All right. Today, we finish out our series looking at the redemption of Ebenezer Scrooge. And we finish with what most people consider the scariest of spirits. I know this is the one that kind of freaked me out the most when I was little. The Ghost of Christmas Yet to Come. Now, this specter is entirely silent, which I feel like adds to the creepiness factor of it. Um, it's described as being dressed in robes, just completely black robes, and it really carries with it an aura of fear and really a sense of foreboding and even death. You know, a lot of times our kind of modern interpretations of the Grim Reaper tend to kind of come from this specter. Now, even Scrooge himself is smart enough to know that this is a figure that he should respect, that he should not try to get a leg up on. So Scrooge himself is even a little, you know, hesitant. Now, throughout their journey together, they visit a series of people. And the first kind of number of people they visit are all revolving around the death of a particular person. They visit some people who seemingly just talk flippantly about this person, this person who has died, this individual, seemingly not caring. See, you know, at, at one point they say, well, I'll, I'll go to the service, but, you know, only if lunch is provided. At another scene, you have people pawning off the dead man's items, bed curtains. Uh, I believe pillows are pawned. You know, it's a number of things are pawned off. And Scrooge has a, what seemingly strange sense of compassion, an upwelling of, well, this, this doesn't seem right. And so Scrooge asked the spirit to show him some warmth, to show him some compassion as it relates to a death. And so the ghost of Christmas yet to come takes Scrooge to the home of Bob Cratchit. So for the second time during this night, Scrooge finds himself at the Cratchit abode. Only this time, the mood is very, very different. Where there was once laughter and good cheer, now there is only somber silence and tears. For, as I'm sure you know, Tiny Tim, the youngest Cratchit child, has died. He has succumbed to his disease and has just been buried. And this really hit Scrooge hard, which is surprising because just earlier Scrooge talked about the surplus population and how it should decrease for the betterment of everyone else. So this is a big shift from Scrooge. The surplus population now has a face, now has a name, now has a voice which he has heard. But thus far, everything the Spectre has shown Scrooge has really just been a prelude. The spirit has one last thing to show the old man. And it is really the coup de grace. It is the grand finale. So I will just read this last little bit here. Dickens writes, The spirit stood among the graves and pointed down to one. He advanced toward it trembling. The phantom was exactly as it had been. But... He dreaded that he saw a new meeting in its solemn shape. Before I draw near to that stone to which you point, said Scrooge, answer me one question. 
Are these the shadows of things that will be? Or are they the shadows of things that may be? Still, the ghost pointed downward to the grave by which it stood. Men's courses will foreshadow certain ends, to which, if preserved in, they must lead, said Scrooge. But if the courses be departed from, the ends will change. Say it is thus what you show me. The spirit was immovable as ever. Scrooge crept toward it, trembling as he went, and, following the finger, read upon the stone of a neglected grave his own name, Ebenezer Scrooge. So we now know that the person who had died that people showed so little regard for, that the only delight that this person's death brought was in the pawning off of his things, was in fact Ebenezer Scrooge. Now immediately after the scene, Scrooge wakes up, wakes up in his own bed, wakes up fine, but he wakes up a changed man. This final specter shows him the future that contains nothing but death, but agony, but sadness, and isolation. This final ghost gave him a snapshot of where his life deserved to go, of his final judgment. And this was the final straw that Scrooge needed. This was the final push that would be the one that would change Scrooge's heart. But what, what does this final visitation have to do with us? You know, thus far we've kind of linked all of these visitations with a message for us. I mean, we're not the ones who saw the vision of what could be. We're not the ones who saw this kind of future spectral warning. But we've been given a very similar story. We've been given a very similar warning. So, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Mark 14. So here in this scene in Mark 14, we find that Jesus and his disciples are walking out into a grove of trees. They have just finished what would come to be known as the Last Supper. Jesus is hours away from being killed. Now, I know it may seem weird to read a passage about the end of Jesus's life, you know, right before Christmas, but stick with me. This is all going to come full circle. It, it's going to work. I promise. Just stick with me. I'm going to start reading in verse 32. They went into the place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took with him Peter, James, and John, and began to be distressed and agitated. He said to them, I am deeply grieved, even to death. Remain here. Keep awake. After going a little further, he drew himself onto the ground and prayed that if it were possible, that the hour might pass from him. He said, Abba, Father, for you all things are possible. Remove this cup from me. Yet, not what I want, but what you want. 
So this, this is a Jesus we don't talk about all that often. The Jesus of Gethsemane. And the Jesus of Gethsemane is worried, is distressed, is even scared. It, it may sound weird to say that Jesus was scared, but we have to remember Jesus was fully human. And so Jesus felt human emotion. The text tells us that Jesus' own words, Jesus says that he was grieved even unto death. Now, this is an overly strong statement, right? This conjures up some huge emotions. But what is Jesus grieved about? What is Jesus afraid of? What has Jesus to the point of grieving to death? Well, flip over to Matthew 27 and, and we find out. Here, we get a glimpse of Jesus on the cross. Jesus in his last moments of life. This is Matthew 27, starting in verse 45. From noon on, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at about three o'clock, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Elahi, Elahi, lama sabachthani. That is, my God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? This is what Jesus feared. Being forsaken, being abandoned by God the Father. In this moment, Jesus is the living embodiment of sin, of our sin. Jesus is taking on all of our sin. So, when God looked upon Jesus in that moment, God didn't see Jesus the Son. God saw Jesus the bearer of sins. And so in that moment, the full wrath of God comes bearing down upon Jesus. It's this. This is the vision we have been given. This is the warning placed before us. The fear and the dread of knowing what's coming. Jesus in Gethsemane. The utter fear that's going on in his heart there. That's foreshadowed for us. And then also the pain and the abandonment and the wrath that is poured out on Jesus. That is foreshadowed for us. That is what is, should be destined for us. But... Just like Scrooge was given a choice, so too do we have a choice before us. Our choice is to give our hearts to Christ, to accept him as that perfect salvation, that perfect sacrifice for our sins, or face the same fate that Jesus faced on that day, being abandoned by our God feeling the full weight of God's divine wrath. So every time we read about Jesus's death, it's really like the ghost of Christmas yet to come, pointing its withered hand at what is, could be, or should be in store for us. So this is our warning 
just like Scrooge had his warning. We have been showed, shown how to avoid this fate. Now, Scrooge takes full advantage of the spectral warning and embraces the message that he received this night. The book closes with the following. Scrooge was better than his word. He did it all and indefinitely more. And to Tiny Tim, who did not die, he was like a second father. He became as good a friend, as good a master, and as good a man as the old city knew, or any other good old city, town, or borough in the good old world. Some people laughed to see the alteration in him, but he let them laugh, and he heeded them little. For he was wise enough to know that nothing ever happens on this globe for good at which some people do not have their fill of laughter in the onset. And knowing that such these there would that such of these would be blind anyway, he thought it he thought it quite well that they should wrinkle up their eyes and grin, as in the malady in the less attractive forms. His own heart laughed, and this was quite enough for him. And it was always said of him that he knew how to keep Christmas well, if any man alive possessed this knowledge. May that be truly said of us, of all of us. Now, I want to leave this study, this look at the redemption of Scrooge, with something we can hold on to. Now, obviously, I hope there's lots of things we can hold on to out of this, but I want to end with something that to me is particularly powerful or particularly memorable. What is Scrooge's first name? I'm assuming I can't hear you, but I'm assuming you all said Ebenezer. You're right. And I feel like this is a name that has become so explicitly tied to this character that we can forget that it wasn't created just for this character. You know, this is a name that has a long, deep history. And in fact, this is a word that has its origins in the Old Testament book of 1 Samuel. In 1 Samuel 7, we read how the Philistines attacked the young nation of Israel. But... How God stepped in and gave the people of Israel an improbable victory on the battlefield. To commemorate this victory, we're told that Samuel erects this huge stone and puts it in the battlefield and gives it a name. And that name is Ebenezer, or brought over into our English, Ebenezer. Now, this is a phrase that literally means stone of help. So, Evan is stone, and Eleazar uh, is a verb that means to help. So, when it's all put together, you literally get this translation of stone of help. Now, Samuel puts up this stone, this Ebenezer, as a tangible reminder. A tangible reminder of God's help of God's glory, so that whenever the people saw it, they would remember. They would be reminded of the day that God delivered them, that God 
helped them. They would remember of everything that their God had done for them. Now, what if we thought of Ebenezer Scrooge in this same way? Most of us read or listen to or watch some version of A Christmas Carol every year. Some of us, maybe more so than others, some of us might be on Christmas Carol number like six for the year, but that's okay, that's okay. What if every time we read the name, we heard the name or we saw Ebenezer Scrooge, we used it as a reminder for everything God has done for us. What if we let Scrooge become our personal Ebenezer, our tangible reminder of the goodness of God? That year after year, we got this continual constant reminder of how God is our help because of the baby born in a stable on that silent night so long ago. That is the help. That is the continual renewing of grace. This is why we celebrate Christmas. We celebrate the birth of a savior and the coming of salvation. And so truly, as Tiny Tim observed, God bless us everyone. Join me as we pray. Lord, we thank you for the wonderful gift you have given us. We thank you for the gift of salvation that Jesus represents, that Jesus is. And we just humbly thank you for the reminder that we have during this Christmas season of your love for us, of your grace, of your compassion. And we just ask that as we move forward from here, you would continue to bestow your grace, your compassion, and your love upon us. Because Lord, we desperately need it. And we just ask that as we move forward from here, you would go with us, guiding our feet and leading our paths. In your precious name we pray, amen.